everyone, welcome back to Garbage Film. This is the podcast where we typically link trashy movies and arty film. We're here to say they're not too different. You can have just as much fun watching both. And normally we would be here to prove it by uh, taking a trashy offering and pairing it with something arty or vice versa. But this week we're breaking format, baby! Deal with it! <laughs> but before we get there, uh, I'm one of your hosts, Nick. I remain Nick and always will be Nick. And with me is uh, my partner and co-host, Aaron who is also remaining Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Very confident in yourself. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying <laughs> to... Yeah, I'm being full chest out the breaking in format. You got to go into it You're just confidently. <laughs> diving in the deep end. Yep. The reason we're breaking format this week is for once in our goddamn lives, we are <laughs> talking about... Oh, yeah. Once. <laughs> oh, yeah. Once in our goddamn lives on microphone, okay, right. we're talking about something that's actually been released this year. Yes. Fancy that. Uh, and we're, we're not going to put labels and stuff on, on it for now. Maybe by the end of the episode we will. Who knows? <laughs> we'll uh, talk ourselves into something, I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> because this week we are talking about Denis Villeneuve's Dune. My planet Arrakis is so beautiful when the sun is low. Rolling over the sands, you can see spice in the air. The outsiders ravage our lands in front of our eyes. Let's dune it. No. So I got that in my system. We I don't believe on. you're done with that bit. No. It, mostly it's been echoing in my brain, and now that it's been spoken, it's not the only thing I'll be thinking about. Okay, fair. Better. All right. <laughs> so, taking care of this all up front, I am a big old dune brain guy. Yeah. Uh, a duner. Yep. Big fan of the series since I was a teenager, I want to say. I feel like that's a classic time to come to dune as a, certainly like a sci-fi liker in mm-hmm. general and i am under the impression that a lot of people are finding it now and reading it for the first time or finally reading it finally after saying that they will it. get to it yeah <laughs> <laughs> which i'm all for it's all very good yeah, yeah it's a fun read i had not uh i think i just knew it existed i had watched like the mini series when you know around the time that it came out i don't think i knew you watched the mini series yeah, yeah. or i watched part way through the mini series or something and i was like don't understand what's happening <laughs> i'll come back to this and then of course i never did yeah. i hadn't seen the 1984 one i hadn't read the book and then you were like you should you, you should do it and i got a kindle so i didn't have to carry 13 books around with me and it's so always I, seven oh. or six it's only six books. And I read it, and I, I did I did really enjoy it. It was a, it was a cool read. Uh, we'll be going through the plot momentarily of the movie, if for no other reason than to remind me what's in the movie and what's not in the book. Sure. Uh, and <laughs> this is where you're going to trip up as you know the books too well. Just start mentioning Chome all over the place, yeah. and people have only read the movie. Read the movie. What the hell are Watch you? Watch the movie. What the fuck is Chome? It's just Amazon in space. Um, <laughs> Amazon in space. <laughs> Uh, they already did that. They did that? Who did that? Amazon has oh, right. space. There you go. We have Chome now. Mm, starting out with Chome, yep. <laughs> anyway, this thing that nobody fucking yeah, <laughs> So I wouldn't <laughs> talk about it. So our, our solemn vow uh, that we're going to attempt to do is just stick to the movie, what the movie covers without getting into the Dune uh, sequels, Dune-iverse. the yeah. big old Dune-iverse. We're going we're gonna to talk about this movie. Yes. 
I will strive to. Just Again, chome is out there. I don't need to talk about chome anymore. It's fun to you say. like saying it. I have a cattle prod under the table, <laughs> so if you get close to chome, I'm... And then I'll shout. It sounds like an expletive. Like, chome! Yeah, actually, shouting? that's true. Uh, this is going to be the word we say more than any other word in this podcast. I'm regretting it already. <laughs> okay, please please go for it. Thanks so much. So just some <laughs> credits for you. We got our our local boy, Denis Villeneuve, mm-hmm. uh, coming to us, directing and adapting this bad boy along with John Spates and Eric Roth. We got uh, Timothy Chalamet as Paul Atreides, Rebecca Ferguson as the Lady Jessica, Oscar Isaac as Duke Leto, Zendaya as Chani, Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho, Stellan Skarsgård as Baron Harkonnen, and I'm going to leave it there because this cast is too big. Cheng Chen! Oh, Cheng Chen is great, of course. He's popping in as Wellington Yui. 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 He's so funny. He is. Wellington. <laughs> yeah. I'm Dr. Yui. Wellington to my friends. <laughs> but that's one of the... I'm already going to start the tangents. It's one of the reasons I like Dune so much is it's so far in the future, everything yeah. is mixed together. That's the yeah. whole one of the whole things in there you can reasonably name your child wellington in the future <laughs> you would get the shit beat out of him <laughs> he probably did uh okay well are you ready for me to just blow through the plot and we can stop off for little tangents along the way yes 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 i am <laughs> Good, so, so no, i had to think about it for a second yes i am you Nick. are ready okay let's go on this journey together so it's the year 10191 and Duke Leto of House Atreides is the ruler of the ocean planet Caladan, who is assigned by the Padishah Emperor Shaddam Carino IV to replace House Harkonnen as fief rulers of Arrakis. <gasps> Exposition dump. <laughs> and I mean, there's no good way to do it, so... No, no. We've got, yeah, a guy ruling a planet, but he's he's just a, a fief. Yep. He's just a duke. He's there ju- is an emperor. Yep. And he has... I still don't know what Padishah means exactly, but I know that this is this is one of those things of, hey, it's real official sounding. Check out all those titles he's got. Is it like a like a lineage thing? Like Probably. this is the fortieth year of the Padishah rule? Like I, you know? I could see that. Yeah. Okay. And I also realized I'm pronouncing Harkonnen the way it is in my brain, not in the movie, which is Harkonnen. I don't like Harkonnen. Yeah. I they pronounce it Harkonnen and they pronounce it Leto. Oh, do they? Maybe maybe just Jessica does, but uh, Leto is instead of Leto. Uh, so as we all know by this point, Arrakis is a harsh desert planet and the only source of the spice melange, which is a valuable substance that extends human vitality and is critical for interstellar travel. I don't think I really clued into the extends human vitality part, that it's like a health thing. Yeah, yeah. It, I feel like they it's in Paul's little hollow recordings he's watching uh, off the top, and then they're... They do the very generic, it's so funny listening to those hollow recordings of like <laughs> someone who is not from there made this recording where it's yes. just like the local people take it for its health benefits. Like that's the only real phrase oh, you I get out of it. I think that's the exact phrase like it's said to you extend. You say that about yeah. fucking anything. <laughs> Water. Yeah. Which is a big deal in this movie now that I'm in it. As it turns out. Yeah. Uh, but in reality, Shadam intends to have House Harkonnen stage a coup to retake the planet with the aid of the Emperor's Sardaukar troops to eradicate House Atreides. Uh, because Shaddam thinks their influence is threatening Shaddam's control of the Imperium. Yeah, it's this yeah. weird, like, I'm not entirely positive of the, the power structure here, mm. but there's the Emperor, and there's a bunch of houses. There's not just these two houses or whatever. Yeah. And the, the Emperor thinks that Atreides' house is getting too uppity. Too popular. Too popular. Yeah. People like them too much because they don't immediately murder <laughs> the population of any planet they take control of, so there's that. I don't know. Just yep. start trying that and see if people like you better. I can't remember. I think 
think there's supposed to be like 20 great houses and yeah. like hundreds of just regular houses. Yeah, Something houses like that. and like yeah. little, you know, guilds and yeah. And yeah. So he's he's playing them. The emperor's playing them against each other. To yeah, and the Harkonnens are very willing to play along. Sure are. Oh, importantly though, mm. even the emperor is meant to be neutral. Yes, There's that's the not idea. Not meant to be like the Sardaukar are the emperor's legions army. of Sardaukar is his yeah his army alone. Everybody yeah. has their own little armies. Yes, and you're not allowed to like use the Sardaukar. It's like it's a big no no that the mm. Harkonnen have forged this alliance yeah and i'll be mentioning this type of thing a lot in the book there's a lot of hay made about how the way that that's supposed to work politically is that like the emperor's everything makes up like 49 percent of control and then everybody else together makes up 51 percent something so it's not equal but it it lurches along yeah and like that doesn't get mentioned in the movie because how do you express that in a non-clumsy way (laughs) but it does a good job of portraying that feeling to me i feel like yeah there's it's very it's on the margins of like any one person stepping out of bounds is gonna upset this whole thing yeah um, so with all that in mind, Leto is pretty apprehensive. Uh, it sucks. But he's all about the political advantages of controlling the spice planet and forming an alliance with its native desert-dwelling population. The skilled fighters known as the Fremen, and as memes have us all talking about now, getting that desert power. Desert power. Hell yeah. <laughs> he's he's so into it. He's, he's This is like his project. Really like he's too. going in there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, so, going on along here. Leto's concubine, Lady Jessica, is an acolyte of the Benny Gesserit. I haven't even gotten the Benny Gesserit. Jesus Christ, this fucking movie. <laughs> Which is an exclusive sisterhood whose members possess advanced physical and mental abilities, and they kind of work like a shadow government of sorts. Yeah. Pulling the strings. If witches had a government yeah. that basically was in charge of the real government. And the implication is that there's like there's a Benny Gesserit in a place of power in every house, basically. Yeah. Yes, they're meant to be like, you know, either concubines, companions to yeah. the dukes, or or they're meant to be advisors. Or, or the uh, phrase truth sayer gets thrown around a lot. They're just yeah. little lie detectors. Yes. Yeah. So I think the implication is that like the Betty Gesserit think they can control the emperor and mm. like the ducal system and vice versa. Everyone's yeah. like, I'm getting the better deal out of this <laughs> and neither is, is winning at all. Yeah, all, all it means is nothing ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> As part of the Benny Gesserit breeding program, uh, they instruct Jessica to bear a daughter whose son would become something called a Kwisatz Haderach, which is a messianic super being with prescient abilities. Uh, instead, she bore a son because she's super into Leto, and that's what Leto wanted. Yeah. Uh, so there's Paul, our main character Paul. I've gotten Paul. to our main character. <laughs> We've seen Paul now. <laughs> Uh, I love I love that you can just totally skate over like anyway the breeding program the what (laughs) they're very like they're millennia old and they are very convinced that they're better than regular humans they talk about humans as cattle a lot I feel like if you said the word eugenics to them they'd be like we're more than that they'd be very yeah (laughs) Uh, Paul's life is mostly made up up to this point uh, is just training by Leto's aides, who are uh, Duncan Idaho, everybody loves Duncan Idaho, Duncan Idaho. Gurney Halleck, uh, the Mentat Thufur Hawat, and uh, Jessica training Paul in the Bene Gesserit discipline, so he's getting a real education. He's getting a real grab bag, yeah. yeah. It's very like, you have, you know, everyone is the best at what they do, and mm-hmm. you, you have four lessons a day with each of them, or whatever, yeah. and 
So it's very clearly like Jessica's like, well, Paul's going to be extra special. <laughs> There's this like, if you're a kid, if you're a 16 year old boy, you're very into this yes. <laughs> for this exact reason. Yeah. So Paul confides in Jessica and Duncan that he's troubled by visions of the future that he's having. Uh, which is mostly just dreaming of Zendaya. Again, lots of memes about, well, I dream about her too. I'm not special. <laughs> You're not special, yeah. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> because of the visions he's having, the Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Mohayim visits Caladan and subjects Paul to a deadly test to assess his impulse control, which he passes. I guess that really is just all it is, That's right? all it is, yeah. It's, it's like... Will you freak out when you experience pain? Yeah. Which is like the most hard coded thing in the in the human psyche. Yeah, can you can you it's the marshmallow test, right? It's the thing of like <laughs> it's the grown up version. Like the, the poisonous marshmallows. Will you put off what you know is like good for you in the immediate in order to extend longer Yeah. Like in this would, case, stay alive. <laughs> be alive. I would argue it's even like it's even more it's very hard to overwrite the like, self it's just survival mechanism, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the self-preservation instinct. Like, yeah. it, 1984 has, you know, rat in a cage on someone's head. Is it rats? I think it's rats. The guy, the main guy is very scared of rats, and that's oh, okay. how they torture him, is they, like, put a cage on his head filled hmm. with rats. Oh. And it's just, like, you're, can you overcome your own mind freaking out and screaming right. at you that you're gonna die when you know you're probably not gonna die? <laughs> you're reasonably certain you're yeah. not gonna die. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd fail, so... Yeah, for sure. Oh, I... There's no question that, like, I've gotten tattoos back before, and there are times when I'm like, I'll just leave. I'll just leave. It's half done. It's okay. I'll just leave. I don't care. Nothing is worth it. Yeah. This is not worth it. Uh, but he passes, so good on him. He's better yep. than us all. Well done. <laughs> uh, Mohayim instructs the house patriarch of uh, Harkonnens, Baron of Vladimir Harkonnen, to spare Paul and Jessica during his coup attempt, which he duplicitously duplicitously agrees too. <laughs> so we're like, at this point, I think we're like 20 minutes into the movie, 30 minutes. This yeah. is... Uh, it's I, crammed full of exposition, yeah. but it's done well. It is done, as, I feel like I'm going to say this phrase a lot, as good as it could possibly be done, yes. given what it's tackling. And I do mean that in a positive yes. way. Yes. And uh, I'm playing my hand now of like, I very much like this movie a lot. And all of this works for me, but the whole time I'm like, how on earth is somebody who is brand new. How do they know what's important and what's not here? Like, yeah, yeah. How is this feeling to a first timer? I I think mm. it's good setup because you don't you're not just sitting there saying shit to the audience. You are imbuing that feeling of like mm. people are very on edge. This yeah. is a very like Everybody's knife so edge situation, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people are like, "No, Paul, sit down. You can't come with us in the advanced group. Like, <laughs> just calm the fuck down. There's things happening that you don't you know, have not grasped yet. And it all contributes to this very, like, every, nobody trusts anybody. No. So it's very, it feels right when, like, people betray one another yeah. or someone freaks out and, and, like, has the wrong reaction and it dooms everybody or whatever. And I feel like every, there's this, the feeling that everybody knows everybody's making deals behind each other's backs. And yeah. like, yeah, that's just all we got to do and you just got to set your shoulders and yeah <laughs> it's very like from the from the word go like i you know we don't see the summons happen we see mm. the official ceremony of like right. house atreides you're summoned to take control of, of arrakis but you can tell that when like the second he found out it was gonna happen mm. leto was like this is how i die for yep. sure yep. i'm gonna die 
good doomed energy to this. Yeah, they've got that bull's head. Yeah. Um, I fucking love the. I forgot that it was in the book, and it is just like Leto's father was a bullfighter and died in the ring, and they kept the head yeah. of the bull who killed him, and it's still got, like, the blood on the horns and everything, and it's just fucking looming <laughs> in every goddamn scene. It's like the first thing they unpack when they get to Arrakis. Yeah. And they take it with them. Yeah. Like, they can't get rid of it. It's just like, yeah. This, Always present. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just like, yep, I see this coming. I see my own death coming. There's nothing I can do about it. I can just stand up and, like, take it like a man, I guess, okay. and die. <laughs> Classic. Classic. Uh, yeah. The... Masculine urge to die. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, with all that baggage in tow, both literal and otherwise, House Atreides arrives at Arakeen, the fortress stronghold on Arrakis, where Duncan and an advance party have been learning about the planet and the Fremen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leto negotiates with the Fremen's chieftain, Stilgar, who we got Javier Bardem in there, doing a great job. He's great. Uh, and they meet uh, planetologist and imperial judge, Dr. Liet Keens, played by Shannon Duncan Brewster, who, is, that's a gender-swapped role, which I like a lot. Works for me very, very well. Yeah, it um, doesn't really, yeah. Yeah. Is it Kynes or Keens? Oh, I think it's Kynes. Kynes. That seems about right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Kynes informs Leto, Paul, and Gurney Halleck, uh, it's Josh Brolin, of the dangers of spice harvesting, including giant sandworms, which travel under the desert, a.k.a. the reason we all came to see Dune. Worm! <laughs> Worm movie! <laughs> uh, so Leto wants to see it, because of course he do. So they go out you. on a flight, and they spot a sandworm approaching an active spice harvester with a stranded crew. So Leto and his teams rescue the workers moments before the sandworm swallows it. But meanwhile, Paul gets high as fuck! Paul with... is sitting in the desert tripping balls. Just the spice-laden air just triggers all these crazy visions that he starts getting. Yeah, it's very like the spice comes from the sand. Yeah, and it's getting and all kicked up. sandstorm, yeah. and like, the thing I like about this too is that Paul has been on the planet for a while, like he's yeah. for the you know couple days or whatever it is, but he's never actually set foot in the desert. Like Arakeen has a wall. It's yeah. it's sitting in a giant cement bowl essentially. Yeah, right? it's like a basin in, at the end yeah. of the mountain, yeah. so that worms cannot tunnel through. Yeah. And so he's he's not yet out in the desert until he takes that first step out of the thopter onto the sand, and there's this worm approaching, and then he just like you can see his pupils, <laughs> pupils. go huge. <laughs> I like that moment a lot. I love that moment. Uh, it works both very seriously for me, and also when I think of it, like oh, I'm it's take your kid to work day, and your kid and is just, just so it. high. <laughs> As we should all be on Take Your Kid to Work yeah. Day. Yeah, Gurney Halleck saves Paul, and we get the sweet first sighting of a worm eating a spice harvester. Yeah. It's so great. That is just, like, out of my childhood into the movie. Oh, perfect yeah? Thing. Yeah, I oh. love it so much. I love that for you. I say childhood. I was an adult when I read this book. <laughs> the tender age of 20. <laughs> so moving right along, we have an attempt on Paul's life by a Harkonnen agent that is plastered into the wall, which is a real grim thing. They go to thing. some lengths, yeah. yeah. When the Hargonans moved out, they, like, sealed this guy into the wall and were like, here's air for six weeks or so. You're gonna die in here, but make yep. sure you take out Paul before you do. Yep. Cool. All those Harkonnen baldies, they're all so bald. <laughs> yeah, what? Do you have to shave? Or do oh. they only, do they breed, like, people with alopecia? No, I have, a, I have a fun thing on this. Oh. Uh, Villeneuve, people asking him about, like, you know, vision, art direction, blah, blah, blah. He's like, what's with the Harkonnens all being bald and stuff? And he's just like, the way that he always pictured it, whenever they talk about the Harkonnens' home planet, which is Gidi Prime, it's mentioned in the book as like a place where 
the Harkonnens have like destroyed nature. Nature no longer exists. It's just an extraction oh, it's planet. Very cementy, yeah. And the Harkonnens are described as like never seeing the sun. So it's like, oh, they're very pale, and there's like oh, vitamin deficiencies. Yeah. And, like, so okay. everybody has a skin condition and has no hair because. Wow. Okay. The idea of it's so toxic you can't have hair or it's gonna hold all the shit yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh okay yeah so like either you are bald by choice or by nature those are your two choices so at first i was like oh this harkonnen family's huge no that's just everybody that lives on the planet everybody okay (laughs) i just assume you had to start from there because dave bautista would look weird with hair (laughs) (laughs) we all centered it around that yeah just do whatever you gotta do we know Stellan Skarsgård can look good bald so we got two down we're good (laughs) that's how we'll cast everything going forward amazing Uh, and meanwhile we start to meet the Sadrakar on Seleucus Secundus we get more planets thrown in the mix uh, Sadrakar are doing blood blood uh, Blood ritual stuff and like blood hype (laughs) pep rally yep got that throat singer with the yeah that's pretty cool sweet stuff love that yeah uh, so everybody's on high alert. Things are rolling along. Wellington Yui, uh, he is, uh, you know, being a doctor and stuff. But um, <laughs> he disables Arakeen's shields and allows Harkonnen and Sadrakar troops to overwhelm the Atreides forces. We get a nice long explosion. Like, this feels like, to me, it was a solid 90 minutes of, like, tension build, tension build, and then we'll just explode everything for 15 minutes. And then we'll just, yeah, <laughs> literally just blow up everything you've just seen. Yeah. 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 I like Yui, too, because it's... In in the book, it goes into a little more like he's he's got the training, um, yeah. the Sook Doctor training can never be, or so they think, can never be overridden. Yeah, like it, he has to be loyal to the Duke. It's so described they don't even... basically as like if the Hippocratic Oath was a brainwash kind yes, of thing. Yes, yeah. If it would physically harm you to betray your, mm. and so they're like, well, it can't be you. Yeah, they know there's like something going on, and just skip right over it. And the big subplot that they did, this is one of the biggest chunks that Villeneuve discards is the, um, the Harkonnens are trying to make it seem like Jessica is the traitor. Yes. So there's all this stuff mixed in there. And, yeah. and I mean, the reason it exists in the book to me is, oh, it helps define people's roles and relationships to each other and all totally. that. Totally. There's a lot of, like, internal dialogue where they're mm. wrestling with, like, oh my god, I, li- I love this person and I trust this person, but, like, what if they were... It what couldn't be. If? It couldn't be. Yeah. But... What if? Then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels like it's there for plot reasons in the movie, but it's mm. fleshed out in the book. So, like... I mean, fair. Yeah. There you go. He, he incapacitates Leto and tells him uh, that he's going to put a tooth in his mouth that makes poison shoot out. The tooth. The tooth. When he... Uh, yeah, when he's confronted with the Baron. So he's kind of like, I did betray you, but... <laughs> but I don't gone. hate you. Like, <laughs> I, I would love for you to take out the Baron. I do hate the Baron. Yes, yeah. we all hate the Baron. Yeah. That uh, is one of the ways that he gets around being discovered in the book is, like, he truly does hate the Baron. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's suddenly crossed over to the Harkonnen side. Yeah. They kidnapped his wife. Yeah. So he fucking hates the Baron. So he's like... You know, whenever Jessica is trying to like probe his mind a little bit, she's like, "No, that guy fucking hates." Yeah, the he is not lying when he's saying, "I yeah. want to stab him to death. Yeah. I hate him so much." <laughs> so the the poison tooth. So we go through our big war period, which is the last time we see Gurney Halleck in the movie. He yeah, charging through. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Duncan Idaho fights his way out, and Leto attempts to poison the Baron, kills everybody in the room, but not the Baron. <laughs> he floats to victory. <laughs> 
like a happy balloon. <laughs> I really do like the the creepy design of the Baron, where yes. he's got like the suspensors or whatever that allow him to float around because he yeah. can't move under his own power. But he's got this like trailing robe, moo-moo thing. Yeah, it yeah. just makes him look like a crazy ghost. I don't know. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he gets up above the gas. Yes, and doesn't die. But he is injured, which is something I don't think happens in the book. But I, I like it. No coming here as like oh he got so close kind of yes thing. and they're like oh he like he gets even more paranoid and like oh yeah. he almost got me like i have to uh, gotta lock it down <laughs> yeah gotta start moving meanwhile paul and jessica are taken out to the desert to die because harkon's very much like oh i didn't kill them yeah they just got killed <laughs> guys just be specific when you <laughs> yeah. ask people to make oaths like that like <laughs> i shan't harm them no you mean they're not going to die <laughs> say those words Paul and Jessica overpower their captors using uh, Benny Gesserit voice techniques, which is depicted super cool in the movie. Love it. I like the voice. Yeah, yeah it's great. They find a survival kit left for them by Yui, and Paul and Jessica spend the t- night in a tent where Paul gets even more high. <laughs> He's just out there just fucking mainlining this, <laughs> like, space cocaine yeah. for all intents and purposes. And he just starts having these crazy visions about a holy war that's going to go on under his name mm-hmm. and freaking out about it. And yeah. This is the thing that I love the most about this depiction is that every other way I've seen it done, Paul is like, he's a, supposed to be a tragic figure. And it's always kind of like, oh, he's leveling up every time he absorbs the yes. spice. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the, the book is very like... Uh, he's like becoming who he was meant to be or whatever. And, and like this, he's like, what the fuck is going on? I hate this. Yeah, what did you do to me? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I feel like in the book, it's it's balanced with like, he can feel that, that it's bad that that's what's happening, but he's also interested in seeing how it he's goes. Very, it's yeah. very cold. It's yeah. a very cold reaction in the books where he's like, ah, so this is how my future will unfold yeah. or whatever. And maybe Paul is like, fuck this. What's... I don't want a holy war in my name. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> He also kind of sees his own death in various ways. So yeah. It's, it, I think he's also just flipping the fuck out. Like, imagine yeah. what's the highest you've ever been, and then you start seeing your own death. Yeah. Like, that's not, you can't combine those things. It's no good. <laughs> <laughs> so, back in Arakeen, the Baron hands over Command of Arrakis to his brutish nephew, Raban. And there's our the Dave beast. Batista. Yeah. He orders him to sell spice reserves and restart production to recover the cost of the coup, telling him to, like, squeeze. It's all about profit. There's, yeah. But, yeah, he says, like, sell it off, but not too quickly. We don't want the, the price to go down. Yeah. <laughs> cool, ah, but you almost died, and this is still your, like, very first thought. <laughs> Uh, Paul and Jessica are found by uh, Duncan Idaho, who has escaped, and Kynes, who is... Who was like paid off to not notice stuff, but now she's yeah. coming to she's the, aid. the overseer of the change or whatever, and yep. it's supposed to be like mm-hmm. a neutral party, but clearly the emperor is like, I'm gonna fuck these people up. You're not in the city that day. How about? So they go to an old research station and they see greenery on Dune for the first time. Plants growing. And Paul, this is I like that this is seated here because that's gonna mm. obviously be a big thing in part two. But Paul goes into his little. Well, the emperor doesn't have any daughters. Or any any sons, any, any heirs. Any, any heirs so far, yeah. All he has is daughters. They're unwed. I'm single. I'm a guy. <laughs> I'm one man. Look at this. What if I was emperor, huh? It's so funny, this play. This 16-year-old kid standing in, like, <laughs> the ruins of a research station in the middle of the desert being like, I'm going to become the emperor. Yeah, and was like, uh, shut up. Shut the fuck You're up still up. high. He's yeah. like, yeah, I'm high and I can see this it. This is a great idea. <laughs> Grinding his teeth. But they get tracked down by Sadakar because Sadakar are good at their jobs. As it turns out. Yeah. 
Duncan and various Fremen sacrifice themselves uh, to... Uh, I guess it's just Duncan and Kynes, right? They uh, yeah. step in the ways of the proverbial bullet to get um, yes. Paul and Jessica further into the desert to find the Fremen. Um, Kynes get, gets ambushed by Cybercar troops, and here's a rewrite from the book that I fucking love. Oh? Uh, in the book, Kynes gets, like, captured, and uh, oh. they try to, like, yeah. uh, interrogate him to be like, where do they go, where do they go? And nothing's happening, so they break Kynes' still suit, dump him in the desert, and they're just like, you will die of exposure before anything can happen. Right. And a worm gets him. And yeah. in this version, it's much more heroic version of... That's true! Kynes summons a worm yeah. to, like, take down these last Sardaukar. I respect very much. It also, it sprinkles in that religious element of, like, she's praying to Shai Halud as yeah. she goes down and, like, you know... We, we gift this water back to you, the great one. And, and mm-hmm. it's very like, oh, yeah, this is a very, like, personal and, like, religious experience for you to be eaten by your god. Yeah. <laughs> and so it is, like, very meaningful of, like, yes, I'm I'm shaping the planet. Like, I'm summoning the god. Yeah. And, like, as we're talking about it, that feels very, if you're, a lot of this society presents itself as very oral. Like, you can't send messages through a computer. You sure. have to tell somebody. So, yes. like. You're passing on this thing of like, oh, Kynes died protecting this kid by summoning the biggest worm that like yeah, took yeah, it. Yeah. It's like that's how you build a fucking legend, baby. <laughs> Legendary. <laughs> yeah, true. So uh, more chasing continues, but Paul and Jessica make it to the deep desert and meet the Fremen, where they uh, again encounter Stilgar, and Paul literally meets the girl of his dreams. <laughs> Who's Channing? She's not impressed. No, she is not, and it's great. I love how much she thinks he's a fucking nerd. It's there's no like. Uh, don't I know you? Like, yeah. she's like, wow, you're really scrawny. You're gonna die, but Paul's good luck to you. like starstruck by her, and she's yeah. like, oh, you took the dumbest right up here. Come yeah. on, idiot. Yeah, you fucking idiot. And uh, he gets challenged to a duel by a man named Jamis, who he, again, another rewrite from the book, he's mm. seen in visions as his desert guide. Yes, Jamis has friend. been like, I'll help you, I'll teach yeah. you the ways, blah, blah, blah. I don't think he's not, I think he's still doing this. This is, I love this because you can interpret it either as, oh, Paul's visions are wrong sometimes. Right. Or or fallible. Fallible, or they're that version where it's like, oh, it was all a metaphor that you right. saw. Right, he's helping integrate you into the Fremen yeah. by... Like, yeah, he's he's teaching you the ways of, like, Fremen honor and, yeah. and how the society works. And, like, the big part of, at this point in the book, Paul is seeing all these different paths of the future. He's like, oh, I need to do this and this, and then I get on this path, and it's good. Or if I do that, then I die, and it's bad. Right. So the, He's it, seeing multiple futures. Yeah, he's not seeing the future, he's seeing a future. Which yeah. I like that version of an oracle, where it's like, nothing is set in stone. It's just you gotta, like, pick and choose the right things. And that... that it feels so much more, you know, I can't believe I'm using the word uh, realistic yeah. in this fucking, but it just gets past all, you know, time travel, prophecy, whatever, yeah. paradoxes of like, yes, depending on what decisions people make, the future will turn out differently. Yeah. So it's just a matter of maybe guiding those decisions. Or And this is his Benny Gesserit training, right? Mm-hmm. Of like reading people and kind of nudging them one way or the other. Yep. That feels like a more grounded thing, which is an insane thing to say about the worm movie, but you know what I mean. But it feels more like it feels like it adds in a human element to what could otherwise be. Ah, here's a computer. Here's the future. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he fights Jamis. He claims his first life uh, yeah. by killing Jamis in single Rough. combat. Yeah. And here is a point that again, it's a small bit in the book, but such a key thing that I love here at the end of the movie is Jessica's like, "We're getting off planet. Let's go." And Paul's like, yeah. "No." 
we are going into the desert because I've seen that's where we need to go. Right. Which this like I feel like it's one of the first times he gets to actually make a choice. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's yeah. been real shepherded through most other points. In yeah, history. which a lot. I just reading so many responses, like critic responses and just internet responses to this afterward. I like somebody summed this up as this works great as a part one story because it does. It's just a you know, coming-of-age thing, yeah. generally. But it's also like, here's where Paul goes from Paul the Son to a different person. He sure. is a different person by the end of the movie yeah, for so true. many reasons. Yeah. But I also like the idea of, here's a simple, he started out with no options and no choices to now he is in control of what is happening sure. to him personally. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's where the, like, the leveling up will continue yes. as soon he'll be in charge of what happens to other people. And, and this is why I like the leveling up, because it's his choice and decision that's making it happen, yeah, sure, not, sure, sure, sure. Okay. oh, I just got drugs up my nose and now I'm... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the best. We close on a sweet, uh, our first shot of uh, worm riding. Yes. Uh, Kynes was about to. Yeah, she, walks she had out the hooks into ready. the desert and she's got the hooks and then they fuck her up from behind, but like, <laughs> oh, yeah, worm <laughs> yes. And that's Dune Part 1. That's Desert Power, baby. It is, and I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I will say, like, I'm not, I don't care about format or whatever very much, but, like, IMAX is definitely the coolest way to yeah. watch this. Yeah, like. Extremely fucking cool. And me, someone who's on the opposite side, cares yes. about that so much. <laughs> so much. It really absolutely worked for me. So if you have, this is so late now that I'm sure it's out of most, out of most IMAX theaters, mm, but if you got the chance... Go and see it. Yeah. I've seen a lot of movies in IMAX, and I think it's the only one I've seen where I'm like, wow, it actually made any difference whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I would. it would be weird to not watch this in IMAX. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just talk about adapting this bad boy, because yeah. sprinkled in tons of book stuff, but like... Uh, yeah. What do you think of the adaptation of this whole thing? I, having, you know, when I went to see the movie, I had read Doom, but it was like six or seven years ago, yeah. and I didn't really remember. But I, I remember coming away from reading Dune with that very, like, 60s and 70s sci-fi writer thing of, like, this guy is really weird about women. <laughs> yeah. Extremely weird. And, like, it gets weirder the farther you read Much. into the books. But at least the, the first book is, like... The seventeen-year-old boy is the Messiah. <laughs> literally, <laughs> yep. yeah, literally the Messiah. This felt a lot more grounded, where it was very specific about oh, the Bene Gesserit have landed and have have been like seeding myths in yeah. the population for all these years, and like it just yeah, it just felt more like oh, this is something that could actually it's got the classic sci-fi thing of like just it, granting this premise everything yeah. that flows from that premise is realistic it's the, I mean? it's the spice right it's the monopoly on psychoactive uh, psychoactive <laughs> drug is that the like oh yes i suppose so yeah. i i yes granting that there's this like this one substance <laughs> and you can read it for you know oil or you yeah, can read and it that for is literally water that we're coming up real close to right now <laughs> Herbert yeah. wrote it specifically as, oh yeah, spice is oil. That's what it yes. is. Yeah, and that's that why it is that in the 60s, right? a Middle Eastern setting and all of yes. that. That was very much on purpose. Yeah, I'm, I'm positive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but 
yeah, if you grant this premise that, like, spice is this, it means so much to everyone in the galaxy. Like, it's mm. the only way interstellar travel works and therefore the economy. Yep. It's the only way that, like, it's it's a hallucinogen. Like, people use it as a drug. Yeah, and recreational also to, for yes. health benefits. It's It's got a religious component. Like, it's got a real spiritual element to the mm-hmm. Fremen as well. Like, it's just this, everyone fucking wants it, but no one is prepared to harvest it properly or like in a way that actually makes it possible to have more yeah <laughs> yeah know? no one is interested thing. in doing Making it anything renewable. new yeah 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 just like grab as much as you can and get out and that <laughs> feels very much like a totally that's replace it with any substance in the real world and yeah that's yep. exactly what people do they just like scrabble together a little hoard of it and then peace out once it gets too too dangerous yeah so i i really like that i think it's a a classic sci-fi adaptation of like it just all flows from this fact that people need the spice yep the spice must flow it must i'm saying flow a lot and i'm really trying not to (laughs) every time you say it i'm like Uh, and and it's spice and say it say the line line. (laughs) um yeah but I, I really, it's it's much more character driven than mm. it easily could be. It could just be Game of Thrones in space or whatever. Yeah. I never saw Game of Thrones, so that's probably not a fair comparison. But it mm. does it does ha- have that thing of like on the surface and looking at all the posters and stuff, you could easily just be like, oh, so like Star Wars or like what are we looking at here? And it is very character driven, and yeah. all of the I feel like there are a couple of like really really interesting artistic choices in the movie that that give you that sense of the characters and not just like oh the predicament they're in (laughs) so i i really appreciate that yeah which is like as someone who is the guy who's read the book like four times or something like that Mm. throughout my little old life um that the fact that he was able to take like the book is so emotionless and cold and calculating like yes it is all internal monologues for the most part yeah it's just stuff people saying stuff to the audience yeah like if the fact that they were able to take the source material and have it have any emotion whatsoever is superhuman to me like that's that's a fair point (laughs) yeah all like it is just like a big dumb chess game the the whole book yeah but yeah, that that there could be any character infusement at all. Like all the the way the book goes about having characters is this is their name. This these are their personality traits. Period. I'm telling you that yeah. you will never see that, <laughs> yeah. but I'm telling you it. Yeah. Even though like, I love this like very central the place that all goes wrong is Jessica and Leto are like very much in love and mm. she has a son instead of a daughter. Even that in the book is like you keep saying it, but I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not buying this. <laughs> but no, I. I I do. I appreciate that part of the adaptation. <laughs> yeah. I know when I read it initially, one of the reasons that I loved it so much was, oh, I read it like, this is the perfect medium for this because it cannot exist in any other form. How would you possibly? It is unadaptable. Yeah. I finished reading it and then I knew, found out that there were movies already made afterward. <laughs> oh, like, never mind. Oh, they tried? That's got to be bad. Like, I had no interest in seeing it because i was like there's no way they could do it justice yeah or certainly not to what's already in your head or whatever yeah yeah the, like it just feels like you couldn't express it properly so you can argue either way that this does or doesn't do that but for me for my my little brain it conveys that from curtain going up you're just like oh this is going to be a tragic dreadful time that's yep. the whole tone of the whole goddamn thing. Yeah, you're never... I, some people may not like this, but you're never in any doubt that Leto's gonna die. Yeah. He's done. He's done for... 
He literally, like, you can see him pressing his seal into the, like, official declaration, and he's just, like, Gritting vibrating <laughs> with rage. Like, this is a, this is an injustice that's yeah. being done to him. It's clear from the start that they are fucked. <laughs> and, but all of the, you know, it makes it sad rather than, like, space opera-y to yeah, me. Yeah, like, it makes it... Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Instead of being a space opera, it's, like, a mystical legend kind of thing. Sure, In my yeah. mind. Like yeah, it's it, got the fairy tale thing of like, wow, this yeah. is really emotion focused instead of like plot focused. Yeah, like I was trying to sum this up and the best I came up with was like, it's mystical doom. That's like the genre. It's <laughs> yeah. mystical doom, not yeah. sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, nothing good is going to happen to anybody in this in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Which Herbert didn't like it being called sci-fi. He liked it being called... Uh, Oh fuck! I should have written this down. But it, um, <laughs> yeah, now I want to know. Uh, he he preferred it being called just like drama. It's just a drama book. Yeah, it's a political okay. book. It has nothing to do with science fiction because <laughs> other than because that, oil exists. Yeah, exactly. He's like it's one for one. Like I'm not changing anything. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Like right. you would have to be very stupid to read this book and see the fremen and not be like, yet, those are that's the Middle East, you guys. Yes. <laughs> Do you get it? Which I also love that they really play up the colonialist aspects in here. Yeah, yeah. Which are all there in the book, and they just oh, like, yeah. really amp it up. Yeah, it's got that funny thing where you kind of you see why the Harkonnen do it the way they do it because yeah. it works. Yes, it's just unfair. It's just like <laughs> cosmically unfair and wrong because they don't but... see the fremen as people. Yeah. It's the yep. Yeah, <laughs> classic. Classic. Uh, the only thing that I was sad to like see go mm. is. I don't love all the chom stuff because I don't understand it really. But all it does is it it hammers home the like, do you get that capitalism is destroying everything right. and is the reason we don't get to have nice things? We can't have any nice things. <laughs> yeah, chom is just what the like. They're not the guild, but they own the guild. The, the Everybody's part of chom is right. Okay, right? so you've all yeah. got like directorships and like everybody's vying uh, to get yeah. more stock. Really? Yeah, right, this is just yeah. this very, like... It's just the stock market, uh, I think. Yeah. yeah, where it doesn't actually... It has no... If it disappeared, nothing bad would happen, but it impacts people's lives in a real way that it does exist. It's the thing of it impacts rich people's lives. Sure, 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 sure. But sure. nobody else. Yeah, and then just, like, the policies that come out of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, funny. The yeah. I was very impressed with how they did the Baron, too. We already yeah. talked about this a little bit, because... It would. It's tricky to adapt what's in the source material. It's the yeah. only part. It's not the only part. It's the main part of the book that every time I come across, I'm like, okay, just skim through these chapters. Just flick, no flick, good. Flick. Yeah, it's yeah. You. It's hard to. It's hard to take the. The guy's main feature is that he's grossly obese. Yeah. And it's really hard not to read the book as like, and because he's fat, he's evil. And yeah. Also. He has sexual problems. Like, he's, yeah. he's a pedophile. He, and rapist and, like, all... He, he, yeah, just like, it's... All the caricaturist things. Yeah, yeah it's like, just... Uh, what what else don't we like? Just yeah. cram that shit in there. So I am so glad that they cut all that out and just had it be... That they sim- that he simplified it down to he is just the embodiment of a greedy, gluttonous... Like, the embodiment of gluttonous yeah. greed as opposed to a person who is... Uh, like fat and therefore gross and like, therefore gross yeah he could have been stick thin and it would still like his performance is still someone who is so greedy and like can't yeah. yeah like if he was delighting in it more he'd be hedonistic but he's yeah too angry <laughs> or something he's too he's too like i don't know so much of the like fat people equal lazy or equal bad mean in some way is like or, yeah. they're they're stupid 
They're not yes. smart. He, this guy is so fucking smart. Like, of course, you have to be. And he just hates everybody. Yeah. He <laughs> just doesn't see anything except, like, what? how big is the pile of money? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, I really like the design of him, where it's not... Yeah. For me, I don't really... I don't like the Lynch dude, the Lynch um, Baron, because yeah. he is a caricature. Yes. Caricature? Yeah. <laughs> Um, he looks like a like a raccoons villain. Like he should be in an animated like '90s children's show as the bad guy. Yeah, and in the like the way that Villeneuve described to his art people, to yeah. he said, "I want him to be a rhino in human form." Oh, so as nice. opposed to yeah, the it's muscular fat. Not, yes, he's and, scary. He's and not he looks like, scary. Yeah. Those shoulder muscles. I keep thinking about the way that they build his shoulder muscles. Yeah. It looks like he could he looks smush like you. He like a tank. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not It's not a lazy fat. It's a, this is the size of his body. Yeah. Also, he happens to be evil. <laughs> like, he, <laughs> yeah. he just happens to be insanely smart and not interested in, like, human feelings. So I'm coming back to the phrase of, it's the best you could adapt it. Sure. Yep. And, you know what I'm sad yeah. about is that we didn't get more Peter DeVries, David Delmaston's yeah. little guy. I love that guy in the book. He's such a little fucking weasel. <laughs> and Delmaston is so good. I wish we yeah. saw him in more stuff. There was, I know that they filmed a few scenes that got cut of him, like, oh, yeah? torturing uh, an Atreides spy for sure. info and, like, a few scenes like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, that would have been great. That would have been great. He's such yeah. a little rat and he just plays it so well. He I does. like it a lot. That's one of those things of, like, the casting is absolutely perfect across oh, the board in this movie. I love it so much. Every single time they announced a cast member leading up to, like, the two years leading up to this movie, it would just be like, I'm not getting anything done for the rest yeah, of the day. Yeah, there's such a vuvuzela going off <laughs> yeah, in my head the rest of the day. <laughs> I still remember you sent me a text, like, the very first thing we found out was Timothy Chalamet. You sent me a text that just said, that skinny French kid you like is going to be Paul, <laughs> with, like, no context. We hadn't been talking about Dune or anything. Uh, and I've never really seen funny. him in another movie. No, you hadn't. So, but he is, he's the perfect thing, because part of... Paul's whole deal is he's supposed to be kind of androgynous, um, which Timothy Chalamet is a slight, small man, so that's... He's not small. He's very tall. Oh, but oh, this is the thing. I Movie know. magic tricks me because in yeah, my yeah. mind he's like five foot two, but no. he's like what, like seven feet tall or something. He's crazy. enormous. He's just like a stick insect. Like it's 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 clear on screen in some shots because he's next to Jessica? Jason Momoa. Oh yeah, yeah. Who is? And I have been in the same room as that guy. He is enormous. <laughs> like he's huge in a fridge, right? Yeah. Paul is just he's almost that tall, but just skinny. Oh, that's he just so looks weird. like this little like <laughs> stick insect guy, little wiry guy. Yeah. Yeah, everyone is so good. Javier yeah. Bardem in particular, I really love because there's a... You could easily make Stilgar this guy who... Um, like, I'm. this is the part that I'm excited to get mm. into in part two, and that yeah. I hope they really is. It, Stilgar just being like, I don't care that you guys are here. Like, Stilgar doesn't give a shit, and not in, like, a cool, affected way. He's just he tired. He doesn't <laughs> care. Yeah, he's not interested. He's not, like, even when Paul you know, kills Jamison and is, like, inducted into the Glen or whatever. He's, he's like, okay, we picked up another one. Like, it happens all the time. It's not, like, this momentous, special fucking occasion. Yeah. He's just like, all right, fair okay, enough. Let's, I want to go home. Let's go home. Yeah, <laughs> I'm tired. I remember seeing the, every character in Dune is, like, a hoity, pretentious person. <laughs> and there's only two people that you could joke or have beers with, and it's uh, Stilgar and Duncan Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I like, appreciate that. That's why they send him on the mission to meet the Fremen. They're like, oh, they can just go bro this down. This cool, yeah. You <laughs> can bro out with Duncan Idaho. <laughs> yeah. I like that they, you know, they, they made Gurney Halleck more of a... a per- There's just so many fucking people in <laughs> there this, is. In this And book. they eliminated so many characters. Yeah. yeah, and so much, like... 
there's no one's too cool in this movie. No. I know it also sounds ridiculous because everyone is like this amazing actor and like the movie is crafted so well and blah blah blah. Yeah. But no one, none of these characters are too cool. There's so many scenes in the book where they're having all these like dinner parties or whatever, and they're constantly like trying to outquip one another. Not yeah. quip, but like cool burns and stuff. And whenever none of that in this movie. When I was thinking about how unadaptable it is, that that exact kind of scene coming to yeah. mind where it's like there's this... a single line of dialogue and like a full page of people interpreting the dialogue. Exactly. And then there's another phrase in response. You're like, what the fuck are they replying to? I already forget. Yeah. <laughs> Flip back eight pages. Yeah, it's it would be infuriating to just watch that. So mm. this is much more like here's how it feels yes. to read the book. Yeah, and that comes back to like the exact the thing that I love about this is it captures the exact feeling I want of Dune. Yeah. I don't give a shit about the specifics. <laughs> yeah, it like, doesn't matter. You hit enough of the main plot beats like you have to and you're gonna get it. And it's funny yeah. too, like it is. We all know, like if you have an emperor, that guy's gonna suck. Like yes. you, there's there's just a certain amount of we shortcut towards like you you know what's going on. Uh, especially when he's an emperor that nobody ever sees and uh -huh. just works in the shadows, uh -huh. and everybody like they talk about him like the emperor. Yeah. The emperor. <laughs> yeah. Got a fucking army called Saudakar. That's Saudakar. That's a hard K in there. Yeah, that's a lot of R's and K's and a little <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it, it every everything seems fully formed too, yeah. and I know that a lot of that had to do with like the the costuming and the art design. Like it's mm -hmm. so specific; it's very Lord of the Ringsy, down to like what style buttons would like yes. the royal retainers have on their you know formal wear as opposed to their battle wear or fucking whatever. Which the one thing I wanted to mention about the costuming, mm. there's a really great article from. Um, uh, of an interview of Jacqueline West, who was the uh, costume designer. Oh, lovely. Uh, which is a great read. Seek it out. But the one thing I wanted to mention is that they had to make all these... Uh, they were saying that it's like, for her, it was the most number of custom costumes that they had to make. Oh, no If doubt. for no other reason, then everybody is so different. Like, you have to make the same... <laughs> Still suits to fit Jason Momoa as oh, fits God, Timothy Chalamet. That'd be so frustrating to make one yeah. of those. They're just full of tubes. <laughs> and so they're out in the desert and everything. So um, uh, they accidentally created. It didn't reclaim water or anything, but they the costume of the still suit was actively cooling and worked as a like well. a, as desert garb. So <laughs> holy shit, quote, they did it. <laughs> yeah, they did do it. They're like first step. This feels like what? when people. The reason we had flip phones for so long was because people watched Star, Star Trek. Trek yeah. This feels like the same thing. Um, so quote from Jacqueline West: uh, What we did was create a bodysuit out of five or six layers of what we called micro sandwich of fabric, which is how it's designed in the book. Okay. Uh, it's not unlike some of the fabric that uh, Under Armour uses to wick away water okay. from the body when football players wear it under their football padding. We selected a beautiful Japanese fabric that would wick water from the body and that it would kind of cool the body when the moisture hit the air of Jordan through a mesh system of cotton, nylon, and acrylic. When there was a breeze in the desert, there was a cooling effect on the wearer, and the actors said it actually it actively cooled them down. That is so wild that you just like accidentally really invented yeah. the still suit. Like just do the water reclamation part, and it's done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just have a little cup at the bottom. It's fine. That's yeah. crazy. Okay. Well, good. Good on you, yeah. Jacqueline West. I'm gonna tag on there that um, the first two things that Villeneuve was like, these are the two costumes we have to worry about. Still suits. Yeah, Start obviously. working on that day one, which if you like you've if you've seen the movie, if you've read the book, either one, you know that it's so, so much so of, integral. Oh yeah. And like 
such cool ideas too of like your breathing generates kinetic energy that powers the suit's motors. Yes, your... this is a real like you you have lived in the desert. You see the problems. Here are the solutions to those yeah. problems. Like it's very like ground up stuff. And it's one of the first things that when you actually start encountering the Fremen after you're told for an hour that they're this, like, <laughs> they're nomadic tribes and that says something to, you know, colonial attitudes. They're, yeah, oh, they're, they're tribes. They're yeah. tribes out in the desert. They've got their little clans. And then you see the suit and you're like, oh, this is better than all the technology that all the houses have. They oh, are shit. amazing are they engineers. This? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, come on, guys. They're <laughs> still here after all this time. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Talking about specialty engineering. And the other design was the Baron. That he's like, we gotta uh, figure out his costuming first. Because you're so right, it could be cartoony yeah. so easily. And the the but inspiration for the Baron was Marlon Brando from Apocalypse Now. <laughs> <laughs> so, a bald, terrifying man. Yes. Who you can't really see a lot of the time. <laughs> In Jesus. the shadows. Alright. Yep. So he's just like still retained some of his faculties and otherwise is the same character. Guess so, yep. Uh, uh, I don't care for that. <laughs> God damn. That's really good. Uh, yeah. It's good shit. Whew. Uh. <laughs> I have to. I don't know if this is in the article at all. Mm. What's with the? Do they do they talk about the spider creature? They don't talk about the spider <laughs> okay. creature in there. Yeah. I think the general consensus is that it's one of these. Like, there's a throwaway line that UA does about like they took my wife. They they're taking her apart like a doll. Yes. Yeah. The line something is something like, like that. that. Yeah. I think the insinuation is like they have they're experimenting on humans or they're torturing and like yeah. body you know, fucking horror out the ass. But, like, that's his wife, right? Oh, I didn't think that yeah, at all. Ooh, I kind of think it's his ooh. wife. Or well, parts of it are. Yeah, it could know. be. Got those hands. Uh, so many. The At least one quarter of that is his wife. The the stuff I was reading about is how it, it there's a guild in the book called the Benny Tleelax that are all... Oh, genetic engineers right, and right, 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 right. So if Okay, so we've got the Bene Gesserit who are the eugenicists. <laughs> the, the, like, breeding and the and the Tleelacs are like, nope, we're going right for it. We're going to make a human. Yeah, this is, it's the two ways about the same quote-unquote problem. Yes. Uh, so if uh, Villeneuve gets enough sequels, we'll meet them soon. Oh, God. It's going to go downhill oh in God. a great way very soon. I am so excited for, like, you get to the first book and you're like, okay, there was some fucked up shit in there, oh, but okay, neat. Okay. okay. And every successive sequel is going to be like, how on earth can we do this? You could just say, like, the names of maybe three characters from, like, the next book. And you'd be like, they what? <laughs> Whom? <laughs> you did what? To who? <laughs> it's so fucking funny how deranged it this It gets so deranged so is. fast. <laughs> so fucked up. Oh, Frankie. Uh, well, he, uh, so Villeneuve wants to do three movies. And oh, he said okay. that's all he's planned so far. Uh. Or, or not even planned. Like, obviously, he's planned part two. And sure, then he sure. said, like, he wants to do Dune Messiah as the sequel mm-hmm. to Dune. He's like, that. I we do one movie of that. Oh. And maybe that's the trilogy. Okay, is what he I said. can see that. Yeah, which I, I can involved. see too. But goddamn, there is some fucked up shit in Dune Messiah. <laughs> what a fucked up shit all, all throughout it. I wonder what he'll keep. <laughs> yeah. I don't okay. Know. Okay. I just want. Yeah. I wondered about the spider because I know there are like human experiments in this universe or yeah. whatever. And I guess that makes sense if they're all living on this planet where they have to build everything nothing grows like yeah you just got fucking test tubes full of people but i i just want to know like you do dune messiah and if the world has dune fever which i desperately hope it does because i just want to see what happens yeah I know. um 
the original like outline of the series from Frank Herbert is seven books long. Right. And uh, he died after the sixth one, unfortunately. Right. And his son, Brian right. Herbert, and Kevin J. Anderson, who's like a sci-fi writer, right. have been writing the stuff since um, based on his outline. And I, I would love to see us get to that seventh movie just for how goddamn insane... It, it is uh, deranged. Like, I really do mean that. Yeah, it is. It's, it's something that an unwell person would think of. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you're just um, kind of like, you can't look away. And I didn't want to get in the weeds on Herbert's book stuff, but here's just some some highlights for anybody that's oh, got sure. questions about, like, but why is Dune like this? Um, <laughs> no one knows. The end. Herbert purposefully wanted to downplay the use of technology as much as possible in the book, just getting to, like, the minimum required to tell the story. Yeah. uh, Because he wanted to address politics of humanity rather than the future of humanity's technology. Yeah, well, then you get into, like, the transporter problem, right? Which is is so many Star Trek episodes are like, how can we put them in danger in a way that, like, well, you have a transporter. You could just lift them out. So the the episode then becomes about when can we fix the transporter. Yeah, you have to write around all these things that you've designed. Yeah. Which like, is note we're still scrabbling for survival. Yeah. What are people like in that scenario? Yeah. So he was saying that along with his like I don't think it's sci-fi. It's just oh okay that makes know. sense then. Yeah. Uh, he wanted the book to be seen as an environmental awareness handbook, mm-hmm. given what was going on in the Middle East in the '60s and yeah. through to today. Uh, and he chose the name Dune. Like obviously the planet is Arrakis. Yeah. He said that it sounds like Doom, which is the idea of the book. Stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yep. <laughs> like, there's chapters and chapters of, like, this is what happens when you combine uh, Zen Buddhism with Islamic uh, ideas. And, yeah. like, and then, like, it called Dune. It's Got a big worm. It's scary. I wanted to call the book Scary Time. <laughs> okay, man. Um,. <laughs> He hasn't confirmed, but most people are like, yeah, he saw Lawrence of Arabia, and then he started writing this book. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And the thing that I love is, he kind of wrote this, I love the way that he wrote this, he's like, okay, here's the seven book series, I could get away with one book. If I just do the one book, that's fine. Oh, they're greenlighting me for more books. Okay, I got this trilogy in mind. Which... This is, this is, sorry, this is Brian, the son? No, this is Frank. Oh, oh, when sorry. When he's writing okay. it for his publishers. I gotcha. He submits Dune, and he's like, great. Everybody loves Dune. Awesome. Well, I have this trilogy in mind. And so he writes Dune Messiah and Children of Dune is the third book. And then it's going great. He's like, oh, I actually did write a seven part thing, but I didn't think anyone would ever let me make it. So here's the rest of the books. I feel like that's the real key thing of like what kind of tone the books mm. start taking is like I didn't think anyone would ever <laughs> allow me to write this. You and want that's more of this, you very <laughs> fucking perverse. That's very much the energy of the books. Yeah. So at the time, this is after the third book comes out. Uh, quote: The bottom line of the Dune trilogy is beware of heroes. Much better rely on your own judgment and your own mistakes. Dune was aimed at this whole idea of the infallible leader because my view of history says that mistakes made by a leader or made in a leader's name are amplified by the numbers who follow without question. Hmm. So he yes. hated the idea of, it's called the great man theory of history, sure. um, which it's exactly what it sounds like. Yep. He thinks that it's, I agree with him here, uh, that it's an immense fallacy to be like, look at what this great man did for history. History shaped was shaped by. Yeah. yeah. If you can Not ever really. look at the context and the ideas surrounding it, you'll be like, oh, this great man was literally just a person who that took a advantage of, of a system. People. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that really <laughs> now we know what's gonna happen to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I feel like Lawrence of Arabia makes so much sense because Lawrence of Arabia is had as the same thing, this the old argument of like, oh it's a white savior movie. Yeah. And people are like, no, it exists to be like white saviors suck. Here's yeah. why. It's a movie about a white savior. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, technically. Yeah. Yeah. 
And yeah. then he died because he went too fast on a motorbike. Like, he's not a smart man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, do, I do really like that. Um, there is a shot where Paul is having a vision of himself, mm. like, in battle or whatever. And it's he's watching himself, like, be this amazing commander mm. and, like, doing flips and shit. And it's just got this very, like, you know when... Lawrence puts on the the white outfit for, for the, the first, first time, and he's kind of like admiring himself. In yeah. the de- it feels like that, where he's Very just much. like, "Oh, look how cool I look." But he you also know? knows deep down, like, I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> yes, like he gets very embarrassed right away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really can't believe I didn't put that together. But <laughs> I know. Ah, yes, the white man in the desert, and yep. like. Well, Lawrence of Arabia is from 62, and Dune came out in 66, I think? Yeah, that's a pretty one-to-one, right? Yep. <laughs> the first thing you see when he gets out into the desert is, like, someone kills a guy over water. Like, yep. water rights, even. Just not even water. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to be sure to mention is that, like, there's some cool... The fight coordination in this is mm. neat. There's yeah. all the shield stuff, which... Yes. There's a throwaway line or so, but the idea is if you come at a shield too fast, it'll just bounce off. Yeah, this is like a personal a full body shield. Yeah, you need to like slowly insert so that it thinks it's like, oh, it's a hand or something, yeah. I guess. Um, but the way that they, they tried to code the different houses as having different fighting styles. Oh. So uh, Roger Yuan was the fight coordinator, okay. and he based the uh, fighting style of House Atreides on Filipino martial arts. Which cool. is uh, lots of big swings and motion, like big motion. Okay. To make House Harkonnen seem barbaric, he based their fighting styles on ancient Mongolian fighting styles. That oh, and they've got today. the throat singing and stuff. That makes sense. Or the Sardaukar do. The Sardaukar do. Uh, so the Sardaukar are, that's where they spent the most of their time. They're inspired <laughs> by two different warrior cultures. Okay. Uh, Samurais, and I cannot pronounce this, Ulfunar, <laughs> guard of the Norwegian king Harald Fairhair. Oh. Alrighty. <laughs> yeah, so there he, okay. fair hair. We all know about Harald Fairhair. Oh, the best. His hair? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Love uh, that hair. So fair. The samurai influence being the actual fighting style that they're using. Oh, okay. And the idea that, oh, here's the elite military cast everybody's afraid of. Yes, that's like just a tool that the emperor can use. Yep. Yeah. That's very one-to-one. Yeah. But the, um, all the like, the blood sacrifice and blood anointment and the singing beforehand and like, we are a troop, like we yeah. the the culture of it. That's it was the called Ulk- a yeah the Norwegian Sorry, one. Sorry, Norway. Uh, it's a fanatical warrior cult. That's sure. you took that from there. I think that that's very cool because I know I watched this as somebody being like they move different. I don't know why. It's just <laughs> yeah. cool. Couldn't tell you why, but <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's all I got on. Dune. I love when people like I it, again. This is just the art of making movies, <laughs> but I do like when that level of detail goes into it, especially mm-hmm. when there's like fight choreography style or like you know design of again just very basic elements of making a movie yeah. and making like giving a shit about creating a world and world building. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's you can you can. I can tell, I don't know why, but I know that I'm looking at, like, two different houses fighting. Yeah, it's, a, like, it feels like a whole world and you don't yeah. need to be told everything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, like, there was a, the first, when we went to see this, there was a person sitting beside me with their partner. <laughs> and they kept being like, what's a tradies? What's a bar? And, like, I, I was like, oh... It's this, it's this poor person. Like, this is going to be... But no, it, like, that subsided over the course of the, the movie because mm. it's just very self-evident. Like, people just... It's, it's show, not tell, and, and people mm. don't 
really sit the most egregious part is when Paul is listening to those like hollow books that yeah. are teaching him but he's literally meant to be studying Dune so whatever yeah. there you go but yeah it's it's very easy to follow even though everything we have just said probably sounds like it's fucking not at all <laughs> it's very self-evident I feel like it's a movie it's a that big deal for you this. just have to trust it you sit and you yeah. watch and yeah. by the end if, if there is anything that you're like but what the hell was that if on a, either a second watch or thinking about it you'll be like oh it's probably that oh, that's right. yeah. yeah. yes and I'm not used to I am used to movies just being like oh they'll someone will say something that yeah. explains it or they'll you know no the audience won't notice or won't care and then i'm lost i'm lost <laughs> in a lot of like movies that should know better <laughs> and i wasn't for this lovely Bless. i love it yeah. yeah uh so do you have any closing thoughts on this here dune i just i'm really impressed with the adaptation and it clearly comes from this sounds like such a dig but it clearly comes from someone who loves the source material yeah um, and ha- who who doesn't just like oh it'd be so cool to see on screen like who genuinely knows that there is something to say yeah and and is able to say it yeah. even if it's not your exact interpretation it still says a thing while being like true to the source material yeah which is quite an accomplishment because <laughs> Frank Herbert was crazy he's a crazy man yeah yep uh, yeah that's sweet. how I feel about it. I liked a lot. It did. I'm. You said fairy tale earlier, and that yeah. was the phrase I was looking for. Yeah. Because by stripping out a lot of, by simplifying a lot of the stuff for an adaptation, it can go like one of two ways. Either you can have it be like, oh, here is lip service and proper nouns, and we'll just move along. <laughs> so the plot. many nouns with capitals. Yeah. <laughs> Which there's a lot of that going on in here. Sure. But. I feel like, I don't know how this happens, but this could just be because I know the book really well. I don't know. So somebody who doesn't know the book might have a different take. Yeah. But it it feels like it's not that version. It's uh, <laughs> the other version, which is it makes it feel like legend myth kind of thing. Where yes. you recognize the archetype of something. And That's it's not what even, it is. It's yeah. not even that it's doing a trope thing. It's like, oh, I understand the power play is kind of going. I on understand here. how you how you build this archetype like based on what you've got. Yes, yeah. it's it's like you're watching the prequel to a legend yeah. happen, and you're like, ah, I see how this is going to become this without ever needing to have have read the book. Yeah, which is like that's the whole idea of the book too. Which I, it's amazing to me that that can come across. I yeah, cannot I, comprehend that. Kudos, don't understand it. But on we, I, I'm a loser, and I went twice in theater. Um, <laughs> I also went with <laughs> I you. I jumped how on the sword for you. Dare you? <laughs> But I was really struck by how, like, they simplified things down enough where I'm like, oh, the Atreides are, their sin is pride. And Harkonnens sure. are gluttony slash greed. Yeah. And the Emperor, the Emperor is really interesting to me this time around where, like, you don't see anything, but you feel the effects of envy. Yeah. Ripples of envy it, yeah. through the universe. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So cool. I always, I think of the bull as the stand-in for the emperor. This just like animal that yes. can only like react to, like he, he's, the emperor's fucked too. Like there's yeah. too much going on. He can only react to things happening. <laughs> and he's got some horns. It's it's going <laughs> to fuck you up. So. And furthermore, yeah. horns. And furthermore, pointy horns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's so true. It's very like, oh, the emperor. It's, 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 Sweet. Well, uh, now it's the time has come. Now it's the time has come <laughs> for us to use this movie to program a double bill complete with a marquee title if we happen to think of one. And normally we would uh, do this as like, ah, today is a trashy movie, so let's do an arty one. We're just doing free form today. Yeah. Yeah. We're so. breaking the mold a little bit, just seeing how we feel about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So uh, I would love if you took us away. 
Okay, I just realized I don't have a title. Me neither. But that's okay. Okay, great. Um, my tack on this this week is going to be the adaptation tack. So, mm. like, what we're... What is... Pardon me. A screen adaptation that seems like it would be impossible to do. <laughs> I know? like this tack. This is good. Yes. Because that is kind of the... If nothing else, it's just really impressive that you got all that shit on screen kind of tack. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be my title. It's just like, if nothing else, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Real. <laughs> yeah, that's my accolade. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to pair this with another movie that's that's very much rooted in its politics, sort of, but in, okay. the, in the very, like base effect politics of like how does this how does this affect your day your daily life mm. how how does the arc of a life grow out of these like decisions about the economy and and things that that other people are making anyway this is too involved basically i'm going to pair it with snowpiercer from 2013 nice. um based on a if you haven't seen the movie it's by bang jun ho directed by and it's based on adapted from a French graphic novel called Le Transpersonnage. Mm-hmm. Um, Which means, I believe, Snowpiercer. The, <laughs> the train that pierces the snow. The train that pierce, that only pierces snow. Um, and Which is uh, written by Jacques Loeb, Benjamin Legrand, Jean-Marc Rochette. So it's like quite a, a well-known one. Mm. And it's got this classic bon, Bong Joon-ho thing of like, hey, structural inequality is a thing. Yep. You literally have to live in a different train car based on whether you're poor or not and, yep. and kind of how people work that system and and what happens when you try to move cars. Um, yeah, so, and it just this, it's a graphic novel and you can do whatever the fuck you want in a graphic novel. It seems like it would be really fucking hard. Like, obviously, CGI helps. Yeah. Um, but to make an interesting movie that's just a bottle uh, episode, yeah. you know? A whole ass movie. Um, but it's very driven by the characters and mm-hmm. why why they're doing what they're doing and, like, what relationships are important to them. When you really get down to it, like, when the pain is on you, what are, what are you going to do? Mm. You know? Are you able to kind of rise above that? And, like, the pain of hunger is the the snow piercer thing of like yeah. what would you do to feed yourself just literally what would you do to like not starve to death that day like a lot of fucked up shit apparently yeah um maybe my favorite chris evans performance ever. i was just thinking that yeah, yeah. that is probably mine too that's the one that made oh. me go oh he can oh, act he can well. act yeah, yeah i see i see yeah yeah yeah, and just this idea of like, yeah, there are there for the for the sake of the story and for the sake of the legend, there have to be heroes or there have to be great men that you rally behind. Yeah. But those guys are just trying their best or not. As yeah. The case or they be. could just be trash. Yeah, yeah, they could just be trash, and it's just convenient to have them around. Yeah. Some like sometimes everybody's goals align, and that's yes. what moves you to the front of the trainer. Like that's what gets you, you know, your desert power. <laughs> Or what have you. And so there's no there's no such thing as a great man. That's what I'm fucking calling nice. my double bill. I like that a lot. Yes. I Thank also you agree for with it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for telling me what I should name it earlier in your in your research. I appreciate that. That was yeah. That was just planting that for you. Planting that little seed. Well done. Very Benny Jesuit of you. Oh. Ooh. I watched the movie. I'm a witch. <laughs> Over to you. Okay. Uh, or you don't have to. <laughs> Such a fucking chore for you already. Tee. Uh, so I'm going with just the feeling this movie gave me more than anything, uh, which it does the without mentioning a specific religion really. Um, 
Dune feels religious to me, which that wasn't intent by Herbert too. I know it's supposed to be like it's mystical. A, it's several thousand years in the future. Everything will have similar names, but it'll be conglomerations of stuff. Yeah, very much on purpose. Um, so the the they're intended crossed wires all over the place. But the one of the core ideas of the book that I hope gets into the second part that we see as we're learning about the Fremen is uh, that like. Arabic, Muslim, and Buddhism cultures kind of mixed to make this thing called Zinsuni culture. Right. It's um, sort of like, ah, uh, it's the from the East. Yeah, and the idea is it's supposed to be like, it's Muslim religion married with uh, oh, Buddhist, Buddhist like, spirituality, spirituality right? and just the idea of an Arabic culture. That's, you know. Sure. It's all there. So what uh, Herbert gets through there, and I think what Villeneuve picks up on good too, is that you don't need to worry about those specifics that I just mentioned. Uh, (laughs) The broad strokes are enough specificity that you can either apply your own lens to it, Mm. that you're like, oh, I know what this means, or just trust what's unfolding without needing to get the specifics of it. The archetypes are enough. Yeah. Yeah. So with all of that in mind, I'm taking that (laughs) uh, and the story of a declining empire chasing a political enemy across a beautiful landscape only to force them directly into a savior's hands, which are a group of seemingly superhuman fighting groups that uh, have Zen core beliefs that the movie does not take any time to explain to you. Is this specific enough? (laughs) I am baffled in advance. Well, I am, of course, referring to 1971's A Touch of Zen. By uh, oh. <laughs> directed by King Hu. Keep saying Zen so much. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Get it? Uh, Trying to underline it with my voice. Okay, okay, um, okay. In part, I'm throwing this in there because more people need to watch King Hu movies. They yes, are great. They're so gorgeous. Realizing this movie is exactly 50 years old, which is a good time to pick oh, up on it. Delightful. Uh, this movie is three hours long, uh, as is <laughs> yeah, Dune, pretty yeah. much. So you are taking a day to watch this Devil Bill if you're doing it. You sit down. <laughs> but it is like. You can understand nothing that's happening, and it will be one of the most gorgeous-looking movies you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of uh, similar ideas of, of um, Buddhist warrior monks yeah. kind of applied to the Fremen. Not, not in the same way of, like, they'll save us or anything. Like, this no. group that lives out in the... In, wilderness in, for in all the wilderness, intents and purposes. They don't interact with other cultures. Everybody kind of chides and makes fun of them. But as soon as they're confronted with one, it's just like, oh, I'm getting my ass kicked? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, neat. I'm dying. Yeah. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of, um, again, I think I hope we see in part two, a lot of hallucinatory stuff going on. Sure. Of like, is this only happening in your head? Yeah. Or what is What's this our tie mean? to reality yeah. in this? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. Oh, okay. So I'll call my devil a touch of worms. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Very enticing. You know you want to watch it. It's got oh, a touch of worms. Man, I should have. I should have done like a worm. Like a train looks like a worm. Oh yeah, that's good too. The, yeah. One track. <laughs> should just call it the forbidden butthole. <laughs> I'm trying to make it work and it's not it's not functioning. You just like calling worms the forbidden butthole. The forbidden butthole only when they chump. Only when they've got their jumpers. Yeah. Which thrown in a last minute thing, they were designed to have like in the book they have mouths that like clothes that they can burrow. In the movie, they were like, no, I picture them more like whales with baleen with an internal mouth. Sure, 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 sure. Which I think is a very cool take on it. I like that a lot of, like, you're a tunneling thing. you got to be able to, like, well, and that's how you move sand, right? Yeah. Is you chomp it in one end and shoot it out the other. Like, that's... <laughs> Fire it out the other. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it gives it makes it seem really prehistoric to me, where it's like, oh, this oh, isn't totally. fancy. This is it's just... It's like a fluke worm. Like, this is... Yeah. 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 
not fancy. So just throwing that in. I yes. will say there are no worms in a touch of Zen. So don't go expecting that. <laughs> that you know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fair. So nice. go watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, some real, uh, real <laughs> one end and the other of, of a <laughs> spectrum of experiences here. Like a worm in one end out oh, the other. Oh, there you go. Am I the butt? I feel like my movie's the butt. <laughs> we all know I'm the butt. Oh, the butt alarm's going off. Oh, no, okay. That means we got to wrap it up because that's our butt alarm. <laughs> Someone said fire to the building. It's oh, fine. Very good. Uh, so oh. let's uh, evacuate, I guess. You can find us at GarbagePod <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Aaron, they can find you at Macklebase. Is that right? Correct. <laughs> M-A-C-L-E-B-A-S-S. And find me at Dick R. Navis, D-A-C-K-R Navis. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. If you can drop those on your yes. podcast platform of choice to help people find the show, hear us rant about Dune and worms <laughs> and buttholes. <laughs> And with all that's your show. Yeah, that's that's the show. Uh, I hope that you will. I hope that you'll join us next week for more of this type of smutty talk. Join us next time for another pile of garbage. Bitch.